congregation, the text and the context for this morning's our sermon is from Acts 7, especially verse 59 and 60. Acts 7, the last two verses. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay no sin to the church. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So far, Stephen, the first martyr, Stephen, the first martyr, three thoughts. Stephen defending the truth biblically. Secondly, Stephen killed rudely. And thirdly, Stephen died peaceably. So Stephen, the first martyr, Stephen defending the truth biblically. Secondly, Stephen killed rudely. And third, Stephen died peaceably. Congregation, the new church in Jerusalem grew fast. Thousands, thousands of people joined the church. But it also came with challenges. Some in the congregation preferred to have sermons in the Greek language. And others said, no, we like to have it in Aramaic. That's a kind of Hebrew, the Old Testament language. So there's kind of division a little bit in the young church about do you go to English service, do you go to Greek services or to Jewish services? There's some tension in those groups. And that came also to the surface when some of the Greek-speaking speaking people started to complain and said, our widows are neglected in the services. So many get support from the church, but our people, the Greek-speaking people, are neglected. We, we get less. There's tension, some division already in the young church. Amazing. Where people are, is tension. And the apostles heard about it. And they had to admit that there was so much work to do for them that they could not keep up. So they also proposed to call men to be helpers so that these apostles then could preach the word and be busy with the word and teach the people. And the deacons were then supposed to speak, supposed to help in the services, in the service of benevolence, in handing out also the goods to the poor. So I read in chapter 6, Therefore, brethren, let us look out among you seven men, 
of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. We need seven men, they propose seven. They need men of an honest report, so that their they, they, the reputation is, is good, but also filled with the Holy Ghost, God-fearing people, and with lots of wisdom to the point of the business. And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they have chosen Stephen, a man full of faith, and six others. I won't mention the names now. But Stephen and six others. And Stephen was full of faith and power and did great wonders and miracles among the people. Yet, then there arose a certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. There were different synagogues. Some say six different types of synagogues in Jerusalem. And they all had representatives arguing with Stephen from all different sides. All those Jewish synagogues, they argued with him. But Stephen was very gifted. The Holy Ghost, the faith and wisdom, and they could not conquer him. They were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. So they were disappointed and angry. They couldn't win. They had no answers to man. And they stirred up people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. So the synagogue people captured Stephen especially and they brought him to the Sanhedrin, to the council. And they interrogated him and they made his life difficult. They accused him of blasphemy. You're accusing of your, your speaking against God. You speak against Moses. You speak against the law. You speak against the temple. This is horrible what you're doing. And Stephen answered them. You should read Acts 6 and 7. The longest sermon in the Bible. The sermon of Stephen is even longer than the sermon of Paul and the sermon of Peter on the day of Pentecost. A long sermon. He's defending himself. We have nothing against God. We have nothing against Moses. We have nothing against the law. We have nothing against the temple. Those four points. But they did not believe him. And then he was not only preaching in a biblical way, he is quoting many texts from the Old Testament. He was very knowledgeable about the Bible. He knew the scriptures. Do you know? He knew the scriptures. 
But then also very biblical, he just made his arrow sharp. And he said, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Stiff-necked. What is stiff-necked? What does it mean if someone has a straight back? Keeps it straight up. Does not bow. Does not surrender. You you keep your neck stiff. You keep your head up. You don't give in. You're proud. So, Stephen is accusing them that they lack humility, that they lack surrendering, they lack to bow, that they are stubborn, that they're opinionated, that they're obstinate, that they don't want to bow before God. Do you? Are you still stiff-necked? After so many years of hearing, repent ye, repent ye, why would you die? After hearing so many years about sin and guilt and salvation in Christ, still standing straight, still having a stiff neck, has your neck been bent? and broken? Have you come on the floor? Have you come into the dust? Oh, ye stiff-necked! I hope that you may learn to take this seriously. Stiff-necked! I hope that you may come on your knees and say, Lord, that's me. That's me. I'm so stiff Stiff-necked is not real. It's so serious for so many years, just keeping my neck so stiff who ask for forgiveness. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised. Uncircumcised, that's an offense, that's, that's horrible. Circumcision is not only a sign of God, it's also a sign that you belong to the covenant of God to the Jewish people, and he is saying, you're not circumcised? That's horrible. That's an offense, uncircumcised. Well, they were circumcised. They were, but they were not. They were physically, in the flesh, circumcised, but they were uncircumcised in heart and ears. The heart is the seat of the feelings and especially of the will. Uncircumcised in the heart is unwillingness, refusing, keeping God at bay, turning their backs to the mighty one. That is uncircumcised in heart. That is who we are by nature. That's the biblical message. By nature, 
you're uncircumcised in heart. Oh God, be merciful. Uncircumcised in heart and ears. Just don't hear it. You can't even hear it. You refuse to listen. You just have no feel for it. You have no antenna for it. You, you, you can't hear. You're uncircumcised in heart and ears. So no wonder that you don't agree. You have no ears. You have heathen ears. You gentle ears. You gentle heart. You're Jewish. You're not. You are heathen. There's heathenism in your heart and heathenism in your ears. Ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. Ye do always. Always. Continually. Nothing else but you only resist. You only fight against God. You only strive against the Almighty One. You are doing absolutely foolish. You can't win. But you do always resist the Holy Ghost and you do nothing else. That's biblical language. Oh, we also feel that now this morning, right? Is that not too negative? Do we all by nature always resist all the God? Really? I thought we can't. I thought we could not resist all the God. I thought all the God was working irresistibly. You could not stop the Holy Ghost. You were talking about the saving work of the Holy Spirit, right? The saving work of the Holy Spirit, you cannot resist. The Lord will make you willing. But this is about something else. This is about the common. The common work of the Holy Spirit giving you impressions being at your door, knocking on it, calling you. Seriously. So, but ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. If you begin to realize this, I promise you, you cry. You feel so sorry. You have such a different light on it. You look back. And say, from the moment I was born, I've always, all those years, always resisted the Holy Ghost. Oh, then you cry. Your heart breaks when you see that. That you have no defense anymore. That you can say, well, the Lord is not, they did not begin. You did not defend yourself. I, I have no free will. You could not have defend, you cannot defend yourself anymore in any possible way, shape, or form. You are in your sins, unwilling to bow. 
Exodus 32, verse 9. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. I have seen this people of the NSC children, and they are stiff-necked people. Right? And they have turned unto me the back and not the face. Though I taught them, rising up early and teaching them, yet they have not hearkened to receive instruction. Jeremiah 32. And Zechariah 7, but they refused to hearken and pulled away the shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear. So how does it feel when someone is telling you something and you put your finger in your ears? You're saying, I don't want to listen to you. Go away. I don't want to listen to this stuff. I am not interested. You just don't, don't even listen to it. You don't even have the politeness to listen to someone else. And that is us. Biblical message. He writes to them who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. He preaches the law. You have not kept it. He writes in 52, which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted and they have slain them which show before the coming of the just one of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. You are the betrayers of Jesus. You are the murderers of the just one. Wow. What a message. Do we duck? Do we say that's not for me? Do we say it for someone else? Just hear it. You stiff naked. Hear it. You always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do you. You may be tired about the fathers. But the fathers is sometimes negative. Like the fathers also. Stephen preached biblically. Let's go to the second thought. Stephen killed rudely. But the blunt preaching. I read a similar response in the Bible. The Apostle Peter also preached, right, to the, to the Jewish people. And we find the summary of that in Acts 2. Therefore, that all the house of Israel assuredly know that God has made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And now when they heard this, Acts 2. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter 
and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So Peter preaches, you have crucified him. And Stephen preached, you are murderers of him. And under the preaching of Peter, many hearts are breaking. And they say, they are pricked in their heart. They're pricked in their heart. And he, they're getting mad. See, the same message can have different outcomes. So he, they are mad. When they heard this, verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Cut to the heart. That is not a broken heart. It is not a contrite spirit. But they were cut to the heart in such a sense that then deep it was hurting. It made them really nauseated. It made them mad. They were so angry. They were even seething. They gnashed with their teeth. They were grinding their teeth. You almost could hear it. They were outside themselves, so super mad. Because he told them that they were not Jewish, that they had no heart, no suicide, that they had no ears to listen, was too much. And they were mad. And they said, and they cried out with a loud voice, verse 57, cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him, upon the court. Altogether, they just started moving. All those people in the six different synagogues, they were united now. They were fighting about small stuff. And now they're united and they just ran towards him and dragged him outside the city. And according to the Jewish sources, stoning meant in the first place to throw you off a ravine. And if they had not killed you, they just lift up a huge stone and just lift up over you and just drops it on you. So just crush your ribs. And that's not, if that was not enough, they just kept heaping stones on you. They had no right to do that. The Sanhedrin had no right to kill people. But they did anyway. They cried out with a loud voice. You should have heard that. That raw cry of madness. And stopped their ears. And they ran upon him with one accord. And cast him out of the city. And stoned him. See? They were killing him. He was the first Christian martyr. And they could not agree with him. They felt in their hearts such a difference. 
that they express themselves through this madness. See, Stephen was killed rudely, not according to the Bible. There was no proper court case, nothing like that, just madness. So it is not only that they did not agree with him, they also killed him. And that is no wonder, because they have killed the Lord Jesus. They also kill you. And the times are coming. And closer. That the church will be persecuted. That we cannot say anymore what we must say. That we cannot go to God's house in freedom anymore. The time is coming. You see it in other provinces. Where the church is humiliated. And it goes from step to step. Eventually the Bible will be forbidden language. Forbidden book. Because it's such a mess. Say something against the modern time philosophy about the body, about the gender, and about homosexuality, you name it. Oh, people get so mad. And they won't stop. They won't start with politely disagreeing. They will continue and push on. They have an agenda. And that's also predicted in the Bible. And Stephen died peaceably. And they stoned Stephen and calling upon God. So when they were stoning him, he called upon God. He prayed. While they were putting the stones on him, he prayed. And he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So he didn't say, Lord, punish them. Oh, let me just be free me from this. Defend me. Do a miracle. No, he said, receive my spirit. If it is my time to die, I'm able to die. I'm willing to die. Receive my spirit. A little different from the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus could lay down his life himself. He could not lay it down, but he was asking for the Lord to take it, to receive it. Take my spirit, take my soul, lead me to heaven. May I be with thee, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He was talking about Christ, the Savior. He loved him. He loved his appealing. He loved him as the prophet, as the priest, as the king. He really, he truly loved the Lord Jesus Christ and had no other serious desire but to be with him. To be with Christ. So you're throwing the stones 
And he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down to pray. Or did he not have the strength anymore? I don't know. He kneeled down and cried with a loud voice so that they all could hear it. What did he say? Lord, punish them. Lord, be angry with them. Lord, destroy them. Lord, let them go to hell. No. Lord, lay not this sin to the church. Lord, don't. Don't let them perish with it. Forgive them, Lord. Forgive them. How can that be? When people are so hard on you, they are busy with killing you. And you pray for them. That the Lord will not lay the sin to their church. That's unreal. What it is? Do you know what it is? That is Christian theology. That is Christian life. Forgiveness of your enemies, of your abusers, of your perpetrators. Forgive them, Lord. Similar to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, could you repeat this for yourself? Do you have some people in mind you have no use for? Some people you kind of hate? Some people you have no, you, you don't pray for? Are there people you don't pray for? Let me ask this question. That question. Who do you not pray for? You hear me? Who are you not praying for? We say, I pray for everyone. Okay. Now you must have learned something. You have learned something about yourself. You may have learned something about forgiveness. That you could be forgiven. But if there are people you don't pray for, you refuse to pray for, that you don't look like him. You don't look like Stephen. He prayed for them. He died peaceably. For we know him that has said, vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, said the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. But I say unto you, which here, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, praise the, pray for them that despitefully use you, and unto him that smited thee on the one cheek, after also the other, and him that taketh away the thy cloak 
forbid not to take thy coat also. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, said the Lord. Who is more forgiving? Stephen or the Lord? Stephen or the Lord? Who is more forgiving? Stephen could forgive the people throwing stones at his face. And the Lord Jesus, he is even more forgiving. He can forgive stiff-naked people. He can forgive people resisting their whole life. He can forgive them. He cannot just step over that. He cannot just ignore that. But he can deal with them. He has a solution for them. And the Lord Jesus Christ died for them to save the people from their sins. So really, we have seen it in baptism. The blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, cleanses from all the sin of stiff-neckedness and resisting and betraying and murdering. It's amazing. Now you have heard there is a solution, but you know you also need more. You go to the doctor with a serious issue, and he prescribes medication, and you go to the drugstore and you get them. You take them home and you put them on the kitchen counter. That's so nice. It's a remedy, right? Don't forget to take the pills. You have to put it in your mouth. You have to chew them or swallow them. Some people, they hear about the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ and they say, that's a good message. I hear that. But you have to also receive it in your mouth, in your heart. You have to receive it from the Lord. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not the sin to their church. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Blessed Stephen. He died. And he died at his birth, he as falling asleep. Because when God's people die, it's always a good death. It's always fine. They don't really suffer. Even though they get all the stones at the end. They are received by the Lord Jesus Christ, stand in the right hand of God, prepared to receive them and prepared to help them. And they fall asleep, and they also, they also someday will open their eyes again at the resurrection. 
unto salvation, unto eternal salvation. That'd be something. So he fell asleep. As you saw after reading the Bible, for example, 1 Corinthians 15. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. So God's children, when you see a child of God with his eyes closed, it is just a sleep. She will rise again. He will rise again. That death is not a punishment anymore. The death is an entrance into life eternal. But it will only be good if you have wholeheartedly admitted that you always resist the Holy Ghost. You have to become real. You need to come to the place that you are indeed a stiff-necked person and that you have absolutely nothing to defend yourself with anymore and that you pray for anyone if you don't pray for certain people, don't count on forgiveness. No, you cannot earn it, I know that. But you agree you need to become real, right? You need to be humble and broken yourself. And that's what you need here. Lord Jesus Christ also prayed that. Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. And what they see in verse 58 and cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses lay down their clothes at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul. Just one verse tucked in here. Someone was Take care of the long coats of those Pharisees. They won't have more ability to throw stones and to keep their clothes clean. So, and he prayed. Stephen prayed, prayed. And Saul was there, a young man. Who knew that this Saul would write source of the Bible that he would be converted so that it looks kind of negative, right, in this chapter. Persecution and problems and stoning, and the Lord let it even happen. But it made probably an impression on Saul, on Paul. If not, at least later on. So the Lord continues, and he changes stiff-necked people like the Apostle Paul. He continues with his work. Don't worry. The Lord is not finished yet. The Lord is not finished. He continues with his work. 
And baptism reminds of that. Baptism reminds of the fact that even with the thickest, hardest, blackest layer of sin on our soul, the Lord can give complete healing to forgive and to give a true joy, a joy in him, a joy the Lord is glorified with for his glory. It's all about his glory. Amen.